Well, Saints, I'm uh, very thankful to have this opportunity. Um, some of you, the faces are very familiar, but from a long, long time ago. Uh, I haven't, I haven't been uh, frequenting this area of the country for 20, 20 years. 20 years. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, uh, for some, some here who are the serving saints actually were our young people in the 90s. Uh, most of you probably don't know. I, I, I started coming here in 1990 to the Northwest um, on the, based on the invitation of the brothers uh, to, to share at the, at the high school and junior high conferences uh, at Lakeside, Lakeside. Whidbey Island. Yes. Yeah, I take that little ferry ride twice a, twice a year. And that bus, we used to have this old school bus. Yeah. We did, a, we did some good bonding on that bus ride there and back uh, over, over those years. I ended up sitting next to some of the young people here and there. And, and anyway, but uh, my situation changed a little bit. And in 98... Um, I, I stopped coming, so I think the only time I've been back in this area was in 2012 for the uh, uh, the Memorial Day conference in Bellevue. Right. right. I mean here, here. I forget we're in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking from Seattle perspective right now. Um, but anyway, uh, the brothers asked if we could have some fellowship uh, concerning this matter of the next generation. And, uh, of course, just to have one session, an hour of fellowship, uh, the topic is so broad, and um, uh, we have parents here of all ages with, with uh, I'm sure, children who are, you know, like little ones like that, like that one over there. I don't know if that's me or is this going to keep going? Yeah. Um, through the teenage years. And uh, there are gray hairs here, so I'm sure there are grandparents. I've recently joined your ranks. Um, so we have this kind of perspective and the, across the spectrum. So um, we do have some burden to share some things in a somewhat over, in a way of an overview. Um, I have some portions of scripture I'd like to present to you. Not to develop, but I'd just like to point some things out. Um, and and then uh, uh, I asked the brothers to give me this board here. I, I want to, I, w- I would like to present some uh, what, observations or um, some practical fellowship from our learnings. Um, of course, many of our learnings, as I think we can all relate, we learn from our mistakes. And sometimes we do more learning from our mistakes um, so, so that the, the next ones can do better. Amen. So may, maybe some of, some of that. And then still to leave a little time for, for your responding. Uh, you know, in, in, in all of the Lord's recovery, especially here in North America, over the last several years, uh, there has been a, a kind of, um, I don't know if I'd call it an awakening, um, but a kind of a resurgence of burden, an awareness among many of the leading ones in the churches concerning this matter of the next generation. Mm-hmm. It's not that the brothers didn't have the burden. 
brothers have always had the burden. We've always always had the burden. But um, I don't know if it's we get busy with things or or um, occupied in, in with with different areas, and and uh, things have a way of uh, just rolling along, a kind of status quo, and we before we realize it. Uh, there's something not right, and 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 it happened under under our noses. It happened on our watch, and we didn't we don't know where exactly the thing happened. And uh, this this has occurred with with the matter of our second generation, both our children and our our our, our young people. And that is this that we've realized <clears throat> in in kind of broad strokes in general. I don't know your specific uh, uh, statistics. But at least in North America, it looks like we lose a little more than half of our second generation. And, and uh, I mean, that, that dates back to my generation. I came into the Lord's Recovery when I was 14 years old. And um, I started pursuing with a group of then high schoolers. There were 20 of us, exactly, 20 of us. Uh, but I look back, and, you know, there are, there are probably eight that are still pursuing, um, so like like that. And I think from many of our experiences, it might be about the same. It might be about the same. Although recently we found out, we're really getting into this, that in some places, oh, if you've kept 50%, you're pretty good. And that's not good. That's not good. Actually, you shouldn't be happy. Because this is, we're not comp- not competing here, um, but we did find out that in certain places, actually certain countries, certain countries, we found out that historically for the last 20, 30 years, they only keep about 20%. Can you imagine that you have five children, and, and, and I'm not talking about spiritually, but you have five children and when they grow up, four of them don't even want to see you. How sad that would be. You have your family reunions, but only one comes. Wouldn't that be sad? But that's, that was our situation, and we weren't that bothered. This is what I mean, that there's been a kind of awakening. Brothers are, are really bothered now by this. We're bothered. And, and, and I don't know if it's a desperate stage yet. And, and how many are really on their knees over this matter. But uh, in, in a couple of places, not, not, not countries, but specific churches, I know that the rate of attrition is 95%. I mean, they lost. They've only kept 5%. I found this out recently. A couple of places. Why, why would no one notice? Why would no one say something? And and it, it's it almost seems like we've just grown accustomed. And and uh, anyway, uh, that age is over. That age is over. And and I feel there's a strong burden in so many places, uh, even or, or across the whole globe. I do feel this is this is a move of the Lord at this time. I do believe this is a, a heavenly reaction. A heavenly reaction. He has been there burdened and praying. 
He's all, of course, of course, in our hearts, we, we don't, we don't write off anybody. We don't write off anyone. We remember them all. They're our kids. And, and I, I'm sure you all have the same kind of feeling. They're all our kids. They're, they're all our children. And, and I, I have this function, or not so much anymore, but, in, you know, and that's how I came to meet many of you, to speak to the young people. I don't do that much speaking directly to young people these days, but I used to come here, and, and, and it's so easy for them to get into your heart, to get into your heart. And, 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 I mean, these guys, I know these guys. We know each other. We know, we know each other almost. Well, how old can you be? You're in your 40s, right? 42? Yeah. Because we know each other, we know each other 30 years, which is kind of crazy to think about. Because I don't feel that old. Yeah. But, but, um, it's easy for them to get into your heart. So they're all our children. So, but anyway, we've, we've been doing some, uh, evaluation. And, and always, when, whenever you consider matters like this, you always have to be careful that it doesn't go too far to become introspection. Yeah, we don't want to, we don't want to give the enemy any ground. Actually, we, we want the enemy to be exposed. And so, um, anyway, we've been considering what are the factors? What are the factors? And and uh, recently, um, we came upon a uh, a study. I, th- I believe it was done, it was done by the Baptist Church, and uh, and I think the the population of the study was about three thousand, three thousand uh, second generation people. So, so it's not 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 our not the saints in the Lord's recovery. Uh, three thousand, uh, three thousand kids who who grew up going to church, quote unquote. You understand? They grew up going to church. Where are you now? Where, where are you at now? And I think now they're young adults. And where are you now? Do you still meet? Do you not meet? These kind of questions. And uh, the result of that study was this. Uh, 66% not meeting with any group. So about two-thirds. Two-thirds stop meeting. One-third is associated with a Christian group that they call like their home. So two-thirds, no. Okay. By that, you might say, oh, we're better. We're 50%. No, we're not in that kind of a realm. Yeah. That's not, that number is not the important thing. The important, well, another number that is encouraging is that in total, 95% keep their faith. 95% keep their faith. So they, they don't, even though they stop meeting with Christians, they, they still believe. Still believe in the Lord. They still pray, you know. Um, and I believe that's the case with our kids too. Yeah. For the vast majority, they don't turn away from the Lord. They just turn away from us, right? And make note of that. But the real helpful part of this survey was that um, they they asked questions of why, why did you stop meeting? And some of those answers, a couple of the answers. The, actually, two of the most popular answers were, uh, anyway, we took note of this. And w- one of them was this. Uh, I did not, I did not uh, connect with the people there. I did not connect. There were not, not many connections. And they were not talking about 
only peers. You know, we emphasize a lot in our, in our young people's fellowship and our conferences. We emphasize a lot about spiritual companionship. But most often, our saints, I think our serving saints, apply this to companions their age. You know, we think of Daniel and his three friends, things like that. But that's not what they were talking about. What they were talking about was all kinds of companions, up and out and down. And the ones who maintained going to church, uh, they, they talked about they made connections there, older, younger, you know, became their home, their family. So that, that's, that's something to take, to take note of. At the end, I, I, I would, I want to, I want to spend a little time, if I can, to talk about these three practices of gospel, service, and homes. God, could you write those? Maybe on the right, just on the right side. Whichever of you has better handwriting. Yeah. 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 Gospel, uh, Service and homes. Yeah, so we'll come back. We'll, we'll come back to that. Probably toward, toward, toward the end. I think we need a better S. Better S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Thank you. There'll be a few more later. Um, connections. Uh-oh. Breathe. Because that's where the connections are made. Through the services and the homes. Through the services. I I, I mean, I'll leave this till the end uh, later, but let me, quick thing about the services. When you're serving in the church life and you just put into a service, uh, and, and I mean, as a teenager, you put into a service to serve with brothers on taping, on the AV. Or in children's meeting with older sisters, grandmas, middle age, young moms, you know. You, uh, or on uh, cleaning with brothers of all ages. You, you enter into a scenario in the church life that apart from that service, you have no other reason to talk to those people. And that's really good. Because you're not their serving, serving one. You're just a brother. And they are not a young person. They're not a high schooler. They're just a brother or a sister. And if we would treat them that way, see what happens. See what happens. And, and, uh, actually there's some ministry. There's a, a message Brother Lee gave to a group of young people. He was talking to them about service. Two aspects of service. Service in the church meeting and service in the practical services. And he said, in the church, you are adults. He was trying to get the young people. Like, act as an adult. Don't, don't act as a teenager. I don't know about you all, but I mean, I was a teenager in the church life. And I got, I got a kind of syndrome because I felt as a young person, high schooler, and then, when I saw certain saints, that made me feel like a high schooler, even though I was in my 20s. 
And, and, and I think in their eyes, I also never grew up. I don't know if you know what I, what I mean. There's a dynamic when you're growing up in the same place. People treat you as a child. And, and, and the older people don't always get it. Don't always get it. But if you would treat this young man, this 18-year-old or 70-year-old young man, as a young brother, not a high schooler, there may be a difference in his attitude. Yeah, that's more kind of psychology than spirituality. But anyway, that it, it, it was a syndrome. I, I, I remember the night. I was in Irvine. I was there for school. The night that I saw this vision, I'm a member of the body. I'm not a student. I'm not a high schooler. I'm not a college student in the church life. I'm a member of the body. Amen. And I had to repent to the saints, to the church, that I was acting as someone who always should be served because I was a young person. And the saints always served me. I was used to it. But, but I'm a member. Amen. Okay. Whether the, our young people get that vision or not, we should treat them as such. Yeah, but anyway, that's service. And the homes, if we get them into the homes. In the homes, if they're in our group meetings, they're not a high schooler in our group meeting. They're just a sister in our group meeting. Yeah, if we could get to that stage, our young second generation would make connections with people that maybe they'd be talking about when they're 30 and 40 years old. Yeah, it's still with us. Anyway, the second observation from that survey that was very interesting to me um, not surprising, is that uh, they said they felt judged there. They felt judged. They felt judged there. And um, I, I've mentioned this as a kind of illustration from my observation. From my observation. Um, you know, in many, many places we have, uh, well, even whether we have a strong campus work or not, but uh, we, we preach the gospel on college campuses. Get people come in, and and uh, but but not just that. Any new one, and and, and if you're going to preach to teen, uh, college students, you're going to get some college students that that have you know green hair, or a streak of purple, and you know something something different, or you know tattoos or something something. But we we look past that because we see a vessel. And we're like, hey, welcome. It's your first time? Hey, come on in. We, we don't care about that. And then they bring their girlfriend. We're like, another candidate for the gospel. Come on in. But if one of our teenagers walks into the meeting hall with some a streak of green, There, sometimes the saints are like, <gasps> and if it's not out loud, be honest. But it often is out loud. And they're like, oh, Lord Jesus. That's not a pure Lord Jesus. Yeah. Or they might say, oh, I never imagined your son would. It's your son. So, so can we say we are, we are judgment free? I, I don't quite think so. I don't quite think so. 
Please don't take that, you know, personally. As, as the brothers didn't tell me something to talk about you. I don't know any case like that here. <laughs> I'm just talking in general terms. But anyway, that those were the observations. Those were the observations. And I think we can learn some things from, from that. And these are the kind of things that we're considering now. Um, you know, we, we, we possibly have blamed the world too much or too quickly. We blame the enemy. And yes, the enemy's behind. But, but maybe we didn't always realize that maybe there were some factors with us that we can improve. Yeah, for, in our connections with them. I would like to look at a few, a few, uh, verses. Um, you know, this, this matter of, of the children and the second generation, I don't know how many of you have read through or, or you at least, or, or even know of this book, uh, Raising Up the Next Generation in the Church Life. I have this green cover, cover book. Um, and and these are these are messages, twenty six chapters. Um, actually, they're not they're not messages. They're excerpts compiled from the writings of both Brother Nee and Brother Lee. Hardly any of them. Only only very few. I think maybe five of the chapters are messages he gave, uh, Brother Lee gave, or uh, portions uh, you know directly on this topic. And Brother Nee did give a message on parenting. That, that is partly in chapter 8 of that book, uh, but the whole message is in raise, uh, building, what is it? Messages for building up new believers? Is that the title? Messages for building up, building up new believers? Something like that. He has three, three volumes in the collected works. And this is in volume 2 or 3. Parenting. Actually, that's a very good one. He has a chapter on, on, uh, on, on, um, Courtship, a chapter on marriage, and a chapter on parenting. And it's a very good resource for all of us, and even to review it if we've read it before. So we've taken some of those and put it into the, the, this book. But at the pref- in the preface of this book, we, we, it's clear, stated very clearly, this is not the central li- line of God's economy, right? Raising the children, family, and all that. However, families are critical to carry out the central line of God's economy. <laughs> and the children are, it's to raise up children, the next generation for the Lord is critical for the accomplishing of God's economy. So we try to come from this perspective. And it's very interesting that when you look from this perspective at the matter of the children, uh, there are certain crucial places in the scriptures that this matter is emphasized. Of course, the first time children are, are, are mentioned, I, I mean, we don't have that much time, but if I would ask you where are children mentioned for the first time in the Bible, I don't know what you would say. But it's actually in Genesis 1, when the Lord says, be fruitful and multiply. But, but that follows... That's that's 128, Genesis 128. Be fruitful and multiply, and subdue 
the earth, right? Um, but that's in the context of verses 26 and 7, which are in God's purpose, image and dominion. So children are introduced in, in the context of God's eternal purpose. When God intends that all our children would be for the accomplishing of God's eternal purpose. But specifically, it, it says, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And this is connected with the second aspect of God's purpose, which is dominion. Which is dominion. Then in Exodus, you know, in, in, in Exodus, of course we know, Exodus is a, is a picture book. And Exodus, uh, well, the whole Old Testament is a picture book. And it says in 1 Corinthians that everything that happened to Israel is a type for us, right? Exam- they, were, they were examples for us. And they were written for our admonition. That's 1 Corinthians 10, uh, 11. Well, in Exodus, we know, there are so many things there that are a picture, right? And, but most Christians, I think, only pick up these things. Okay, Egypt is the world. Pharaoh is Satan. Uh, the Passover lamb that's Jesus as the Lamb. The crossing of the Red Sea. You don't have to figure that out. It says in 1 Corinthians 10, that's baptism. The manna, you don't have to figure that out either. Jesus said, I'm the bread that comes down. But there, there is, there is uh, something in chapter 1 that's very enlightening to me. And that is that when Exodus opens, the Pharaoh is threatened. You know the story, right? And why is he threatened? Because Israel has grown too large. And he's afraid that if the enemy comes and this group of people side with the enemy, he'll be defeated. Now, is this not part of the type? Is this not part of the... Type in the, in the Old Testament? Amen. Okay. So, something threatens Satan. Amen. Did, did you realize that? There's something that threatens Satan. And what is that? Actually, the increase. The increase. And both Brother Nee and Brother Lee stated very clearly, very strongly, that the increase in the church in the New Testament should be 50% from inside, 50% from outside. That is from our children growing up, right? Like some of you here and me. And then you preach the gospel, people come in. 50%, 50%. That's how it should be. Hardly can you find a locality where it's 50% from within. Hardly. In the Philippines, you could before. I don't know about now, but I know for sure in the 50s and 60s it was, it was that way. In the, the increase from the children, and many of those are leading ones now in, in the churches. But hardly. Oh, in Belize also. But that's because they have 10, 12 children. Yeah. Back at, that was maybe not so much now, but before. 
but it's significant that rather than having 50% increase, our history is we lose 50% of the ones we have. It's not that through our, through our children we gain more children. It's that actually we lose half of the children we have. And that's because Satan is fighting against them. And you see in Exodus chapter 1 that he, he responds to the threat. How? These stories, I mean, you, you, you teach, many of you probably teach, teach this to your children or in children's meeting. The, the first is it's twofold to the older and to the younger. What's to the older generation? Make them work harder. <laughs> Tire them out. Occupy their time so that they don't have any energy left to worship Jehovah. And isn't this life? Don't, don't, have you never had uh, to think about, oh, it's Tuesday night. Oh, I'm so tired. That is Exodus 1. Just to exhaust you. But, but what's the strategy to the younger generation? When the babies are born, if it's a boy, kill it. Do you see Satan's heart? Do you see what's in his heart, in his mind, against our children? Then let the girls live. As the girls grow up, well, who are they going to marry? Of course, they'll marry Egyptians. And then that means they're mixed. Which means just in one generation, there's no more pure Israel. That, that's his tactic. So either, either wipe out, eliminate. Eliminate the life. Or mix them with the world. And in principle... That's the situation. In a, in a sense, his tactic has never changed for these thousands of years. Well, you can't blame him because it works. Well, it didn't work then. Why? Because of two sisters. You know what I'm talking about? The two midwives. The two midwives. I don't know how they did it. It doesn't explain what they... I, I don't understand. But these two sisters, you, you know them, right? Yeah. Right? Shifra and Pua. Yeah, these two names are not that popular among us. <laughs> Shifra and Pua. They got the... They, they did something. Actually, I like to say, we usually say Moses is the savior of Israel. Right? That's what we think. Actually, they are the saviors of Moses. Because Moses needed saving first. And these two sisters. And this is a principle. And this is a type. And what does that mean? Sisters, for the raising up of the next generation, the primary role is with you. Maybe you are doing the greatest work in the Lord's recovery. Because you have the part, the primary role of raising up the next generation. 
Not exclusive. Not exclusive. The brothers have their part too. Okay, so that's chapter one. Do you know that Pharaoh changes his strategy? What, what, how? He, instead of killing the babies, he can't prevent that. He can't prevent the babies from being born. And so he says, you have to what? Put them in the water. Throw them in the, throw them in the, in, in, in the river. And you know the name Moses, right? The name Moses means drawn. Drawn. Meaning drawn from, he got named Moses because he was taken from the river. Drawn. Why? Why did he get that name? He got that name because Shifra and Pua forced him to change his strategy. Is that not a type? Sisters? That if you rise up, Satan's got to change his way. That's what it's telling us. So then what happens? Then, what do you see in Exodus 2? Two more sisters coordinate together. Who are they? Mommy, Moses' mother, and big sister. You know his mommy? Jochebed, that's her name, Jochebed. And of course you know the sister's name, right? It's Miriam. And so what happens? Well, you you don't see see this detail in Exodus, but you see it in Hebrews. You know, Hebrews has the history of faith, the, 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 the ones of faith. Yeah, there are several verses on Moses. Did you ever notice that Moses' parents are listed there too? Maybe you didn't notice this. Yeah, I'd like you to read this so you could be more impressed. Hebrews 11, verses 23 and 4. Could, could whoever has that, could you read that to us? Hebrews 11, verses 23 and 24. was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was lovely. Okay, hold on. It says, by faith Moses, right? But is it Moses' faith? No. Whose faith? Surely his parents. He was hidden for three months. It says, by his mother? No. Parents! So dads! Fathers, we have a role. We have one-fifth of the role. Because Shifra has a role, Pua has a role, Mommy has a role, that's Jochebed, Miriam has a role, that's Big Sister, and Dad. So, then, read the beginning of 24. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, Refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Yeah, up to there. See, now now that's Moses' faith. But because it reads, by faith Moses, by faith Moses, you probably skipped over the fact that his parents are witnesses of faith. Do you realize that as parents, we have a role. We have a role in producing the ones who turn the age. You know, and this is a point. Everyone in the Old Testament, the ones that we consider the, you know, heroes, uh, Samuel, David, Noah, uh, Daniel, they're all famous ones. But where did they come from? 
every one was produced in a godly family. You only have details of a few, like Hannah with Samuel. In Daniel's case, the parents are never even mentioned. The story begins with, it seems like these teenagers, and Daniel says, but Daniel purposed in his heart. But where did he get that from? I believe, I believe, that's from his parents practicing Deuteronomy 6. You know Deuteronomy 6? says, you shall love the Lord with all your heart and all your soul. And then it says, and you shall, what? And you shall have my work, my commandments in your heart, and then you shall teach them to your children. While you're walking on the way, when they're lying down, when they're getting up, when you're sitting at the table, even you should have the law on, on your home, right, on your walls. I believe Daniel's family was such a family. And it got to the point where, where Daniel rose up. I'd like you to write maybe two, two more words in the, in the middle. Identity, identity and community. Identity and community. You know, we talked about community before with that survey. Saints, Daniel is a good example of both of these. When Daniel was put tested and put in a kind of situation, no parents. No parents. He could, he could choose whatever he wanted. And remember, the, Daniel and the three friends, they weren't the only ones there. There were many other Hebrew children. But those children did not choose the way these four did. These, these four, particularly Daniel, he had his identity. He knew who he was. He knew who he was. And he was not ashamed of who he was. And he had others to share that with that strengthened each other. Saints, we have... 16, 15 years to get these two things into our children. I wouldn't say 18. I, I don't think you have a full 18 years to work those two things into our children that they would choose. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. And these are my people. And when at school, they're asking him, you're going to church again? He says, yeah, that's, I, I, that's the way I am. That's who I am, and it's not like, like, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, my mom, you know, I gotta go. Not like that. But th- that's who they are. And actually, they're also bringing people along. We have 15, 16 years to put that into them. Don't care so much for uh, other things. I would say even, don't care so much for their behavior. Now we should care for their behavior. <laughs> we preach proper humanity. We should build them up in the proper humanity. But if you come, become so preoccupied with that, yeah. I'd rather they be naughty but still with us. Yeah. You, you understand my point? They might be naughty. They might not be the, you know, the ones that oh they come. They're in the front row and going to every everything. But they're still with us. This is still their place. 
We want them to feel at home here. So they have their identity and they relate this as their community because they made their connections. Anyway, back to, back to Exodus. Back to Exodus. Moses needed a savior, saviors. Actually, he had five that worked together to produce this one who then saved the whole nation. But, but it came from somewhere. It came from family and support from God's people. And that's how we raise our next generation. Family and then support from God's people. But the primary responsibility is family. That's what, that's what we see in the scriptures. The primary responsibility is family. In Daniel's situation, you don't see children's meetings serving ones or young people serving ones. It's just parents. Family. In Moses' case, you, you see a blend. You see a blend of both. But three family members, two supporters. More family. More family. Then in um, um, Exodus 12, there's some verses I'd like to point out to you. If you could look with me at, at Exodus 12. Verses 26 and 7. I can read them to you. Exodus 12, 26 and 7. This is talking about the Passover. It says, And when your children say to you, What do you mean by this service? You can imagine. You can imagine that, that daddy, mommy, take a lamb. They're killing a lamb. Maybe they saw that before. Maybe they ate lamb. But now they're taking some of the blood and they're putting it on the door. The Lord told Moses ahead of time, when your children say to you, when your children say to you, what do you mean? Like, Dad, what are you doing? You, can't you imagine that children would ask? That, or, Mommy, Mommy, why is Daddy putting blood on the door? And it says, and you shall say, and this is what I'm trying to get at, and you shall say, it is the Passover sacrifice to Jehovah who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses and the people bowed and worshipped. You know, the, the slaying of a lamb, when, when you think of this Old Testament picture, Killing the lamb. Whose function is this? Who would you say? Who, huh? Who, who slays the, who kills the lambs for the sacrifice? Priests, priests. But, you know, the, in chapter 19, this is chapter 12, in chapter 19 is when the Lord says, I brought you on eagle's wings, to make you a kingdom of priests. And his intention was that all God's people would be priests. But we know in what Exodus 32, with, through the worship of the golden calf, that privilege ended up only with Levi, one tribe. So the other tribes didn't get that. But on this night... Before all that, 
Do you realize there were lambs slain in every household? Do you realize there were priests in every household? But who were the priests? Mommy and daddy. This is God's view. I, I feel this is the closest God ever got to the universal priesthood. Chapter 13, verse 8. And you shall tell your son in that day, saying, It is because of what Jehovah did for me when I came out of Egypt. We should be able to testify to our children what Jehovah did for me. Parents, the church is there to support, but actually, we, sh we should be able to testify to our children. At least we should be able to bring salvation to our children. You don't have to wait for a sixth graders conference. Do you have such a thing? Sixth grade conference? Okay. I'm not talking against the sixth grade conference. You should still do that. And actually, we're having one for the first time in New York. Yeah, we're having, on June 8th, we're having our sixth graders something. We never, we didn't need it before because we just do it in the halls, you know. But now, it, anyway. Um, so we're doing that. We're doing that. But I'm saying, you don't have to rely on that. What if, what if your child is 10 years old and asks you, Dad, why, why do we do this service? We all should be able to say, well, son, it's because of what the Lord did for me. Amen. Let me tell you, let me tell you what he did for me. So we all can serve as priests. We all can serve as priests. Uh, Psalm 127. Psalm 127. Maybe, maybe, uh, some of you are familiar with this. I think you're familiar with verse 3. Behold, children are a heritage of Jehovah. The fruit of the womb are reward. Of course, this means all children come from God. And actually, all children still belong to God. They're just in our custody. But then it says this. Did you ever notice verse 4? Like arrows in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of one's youth. So, children are likened to arrows. Arrows. If we keep our children, we have more ammunition to defeat the enemy. But the problem is he's been stealing our arrows. One, one more portion, then, then I want to give you some practical points. Uh, Acts chapter 2. I think we all should be familiar with Acts 2. You know what happens in Acts 2. Acts 2 is where the day of Pentecost and the Spirit is poured out. So you could say this is really the official beginning of the church. Although you have to put this together with, with John 20, where the Spirit, the Lord breathes himself as a spirit within, essentially. Now he's poured out economically, and so the church is established. Did you know that on that day, there's something particular about the children? We know that story, right? The, the Spirit is poured out and the Disciples are speaking in languages, and, and they're, because it's the day of Pentecost, 
People from, what is it, 14 different countries are there. They all understand in their own language, but, but they think they think that these people are, 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 are drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning. Then Peter comes out and says, no, we're not. And, and he preaches, and 3,000 people get saved. And this is, this is their response in verse 37. I know that you know this. It says, and when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, what should we do, brothers? And Peter said to them, 38, Repent, and each one of you be baptized upon the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 39, this is the one I want to highlight. For to you is the promise, and to your children, and to those who are far off, as many as our Lord God calls to Himself. Please, please notice the order. For to you is the promise, one, and to your children, two, and to those who are far off, three. Oh, I I know many churches, many churches spend more time going to those who are far off than to raising up the children. And they have, sorry, I know sometimes some brothers in some places, they have the feeling, oh, yeah, that, that's, we leave that to the sisters. Yes, because sisters primarily, that's the Old Testament example, carry this burden. But the brothers don't think about, don't coordinate, don't pray for, don't support wholeheartedly the work with the children. That's not Acts 2. When the church began, it was you and your children and those who are far off. No wonder Brother Nee and Brother Lee said 50%. Inside, 50% outside. So saints, I, just from these few verses, I hope you could see a few things. God's view of our children relating to his economy, the accomplishing of his economy, and maybe even more, Satan's view. He's threatened. He's threatened by our increase. Oh, if we would have a way to keep all our children and through them gain more children. Uh, I believe the Lord is doing something because he wants to come back. Amen. I believe. You know, it says, it says in the prophecy before the Lord's first coming that, that John, John would come, right, and turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. Right? That's in Malachi and that's in Luke. There's Luke 1. There's, there's something particular about the children before the Lord's first coming. I believe that's a prophecy for the Lord's second coming. The Lord will do the same thing. There's be a kind of recovering of the children. A second generation. Well, um, for this matter of identity and community, um, maybe you could help me just... I don't have that much time. I just want to write down these, these, these few words just for your consideration. Um, maybe the first one, let's say uh, communication. Communication. Um, and then the next one is uh, interest. And these are, these are kind of a pair, interest. And then a little space. And then uh, sanctification. Sanctification. And then the word sowing. 
S-O-W-I-N-G. Maybe that, that's enough for, for, for now. Thanks. As I, I mentioned before, when we look at our track record and we see how we have lost so many, maybe in the past we were too quick to just say, oh, the world, oh, this and that. And, and uh, even, to, even just before the, our fellowship, some of us were talking a little bit and some of the brothers brought out, oh, the things of the age. And, and uh, it's just, we, we realize it's, the age is getting darker and darker. And that's the prophecy. That's, that's what the Lord told us would, would happen. And the man of lawlessness, I'm sorry, the, the, uh, uh, no, no, the, um, how's, how does it say in Second Thessalonians, um, that, that, uh, the one who restrains is, is when he moves out of the way, then the lawlessness will, will just prevail. And that's happening. That's, that's, that's happening. And so there's so many dark things go, uh, that are that are happening, and our children are facing battles that we did not have to face, not in elementary school. And and uh, I don't know how it is here, but I know in some of the preschools that that our children are in, where where I am, I'm in in New York City, um, two cases recently where children came home and asked their asked their um, parents that their their um, Friend at school has two dads, and he didn't understand that, and it just it just didn't compute in his mind. And something similar happened with another. Uh, th- these are things that were not that prevalent when we were children, and even when you guys were, you know, not that long ago. Actually, maybe the last fifteen years, it's really been intensified. Um, however, however. Uh, you know, when in every age, as we were growing up, we always felt this is the worst age. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, all, we always oh, and every generation of parents and serving ones has said, you know, oh, this age is worse than. I'm glad I'm not a teenager anymore. Yeah, yeah because it was so whatever. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Anyway, so it's really bad, and it's getting worse. But in spite of all that, I would still say we need to reflect a little bit on ourselves. And this matter, have we been successful, not only in in putting these two things, identity and community, into our children, but in our gaining their hearts. Gaining their hearts. You know, Paul says this about the Thessalonians. right? You know what manner of entrance we had toward you. You know, when a child is born, their heart is just open to their parents. That's just the way it is. What happens? What happens? When does the heart close? And we know, if you stop to consider, the heart doesn't close overnight. It's not from from night to morning. It's not one incident. It's an accumulation. And sometimes it's just that we weren't, we're not on the alert at certain particular times, certain crucial times. I was, I was uh, giving a fellowship like this in one place 
And um, I still remember after I sat down, one sister, I was talking about this communication and interest. That 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 when the when the, when they're this little, when they're this little, even even when they're when they're five or five years old, four years old, and they're sitting on the floor doing something. It's quite natural for us to just come and say, what are you doing? I'm playing. What are you playing? School. And then you sit down. You, you sit with them. And they do, and we go, and they're making something, and we make something over here. And we, by showing interest. Now, are you really interested in Legos? Not that much. I still like like them, but, you know, I don't spend that much time doing Legos. But I'm interested in him. So for him, I'm, I'm, I, I do this. To know him. And you invest time. Nothing, nothing replaces time. Amen. Spending time. But anyway, I was talking about this and showing interest. Showing interest. You know this, I think most of you will probably know this little booklet called How to Lead the Young People. It's a little golden booklet. If you've never read it, I really would encourage you. And read it from the perspective of a parent. Not young people, like how to shepherd young people. Read it from the perspective. And if, you, and if your children are, are, are you know, younger than five, read it now so you can learn as the kids get older, how to keep their heart. Because you have their heart at the beginning. And if you're not on the alert, the door closes or you lose it or somebody else gets it. I think you can keep it. I think you can keep it. And one big point Brother Lee mentions in that little booklet, How to Lead the Young People, is showing interest. In their affairs. Showing interest in their things. So I was with a group of uh, brothers. You know, we have, we have, uh, I'm gonna get back to this testimony. I haven't lost my train of thought. Uh, but I, I was with a group of brothers, uh, last year. And, uh, you know, in New York City, we're, we're, we've expanded some and now we have eight meeting halls. We're just purchasing a, Hall number nine, uh, a building for hall number nine. And one of the new halls, it's, it's, it's brothers who, I know, I know, it's almost not fair, but they're thrust into responsibility. And they're the leading ones there. And they live there. That, that they should be the leading ones. And so they are. And so they're caring for the young people. None of them serve young people before. And then, and then the young people are all Latino. They're all Hispanic. Almost all, not not totally all, but mostly Hispanic. The serving brothers are all Chinese, <laughs> and they were they're they're not like you know not you know they're not ABC they're 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 CBC <laughs> they're CBC and and so and so Chinese Chinese born Chinese born Chinese Chinese born Chinese so they they don't know the things here they don't and they get trying to take care of these young people and the young people are from the Bronx. They're from the Bronx. And, and, uh, anyway, so, so, they're together. And then they, they wanted to have a meeting with the leading ones. 
you know, and, and, and that, that, these, and they said, these young people, they just don't listen to us. <laughs> One of the brothers said, they just don't listen to us. And so they were asking what to do, this, and so I asked them this. I hope this doesn't offend anyone here. I said, brother, do you know, maybe I shouldn't say this. That's okay, I'm not going to say it. Yeah, I said, brother, do you know, do you know what Black Panther is? Oh, sorry, I'll say, Black, Black Panther, Panther. You know, like the cat, the Black Cat Panther. But it's, it's actually a movie from last year. I think it was last year. Last year or the year before? Last year. Last year. Yeah, yeah. It was a big movie. And it broke records, like box office records. And it has very, it's very particular because, like, the whole major cast is all, uh, of African descent. And, and, and that's a major, that's, I mean, for a big movie. And I think it was even, even nominated for, for an Oscar. You know, had not a, didn't have a shot, but it was a big deal that it was nominated. You know, for its, because the quality of the act. Anyway, sorry. Didn't mean to say that much about that. But, all these kids know that movie. Whether they went to it, didn't go to it, because that's what people talk about. Because, because when you're in the Bronx, the, the, the population, you're either Hispanic or black, mostly. And, and so, my point was this. Of course, the brothers were like, uh, <laughs> we know the cut. We know the cut. <laughs> but they didn't know anything about it. And, and okay, I said, brothers, I'm not telling you to go see the movie. I'm, that's not my point. No, no, don't think that. Don't think that. That's not my point at all. Amen. Okay, I'm glad I said that. Amen. But, but you could actually go to the internet and just do research on this movie so that you could find out a little bit and talk to them. And did you know, did you know that, that the writer, the writer, Stan Lee, he's the one who, who, who like, it came out of his mind, this, this uh, superhero called Black Panther, that people thought he was linking this to the Black Panther movement of the 1960s. And that actually, in another comic strip, he wrote to, to make clear that he had nothing to do with that. And the kids didn't know that. I said, how do you know that? I said, well, a lot of things I know you don't know. <laughs> so I could talk, talk to them about those things. That, that's, that's my whole point. I'm, I'm going to say it again. I'm not encouraging serving saints, go see the movie. That's not, that was not what I was talking about. That's not what I was talking about. I'm talking about be interested in their things. Okay, back to this story. The sister, she gave this testimony. She was on the phone. Her daughter, 15 years old, runs in, excited. And she goes, Mommy, Mommy. She had just come in from going to a movie. Yeah. And, uh, and she wanted to tell Mommy about this movie. And, and the sister was having fellowship with another sister. And she got, covered the phone. This is from her mouth. She told us. I told her, dear, 
You know I'm not interested in these things. And the daughter, and went. And then she kept on. And then she realized that was the period of time that she lost her daughter's heart. Not, not necessarily that because of that one. But when she reflects now, it's several years later. And she and her daughter don't have that close relationship they once had. The Lord brought that to mind. She had an opportunity just to show interest in her things. Okay, maybe their feeling is, I don't want to be defiled. I don't want to be defiled knowing so many things of the world. I can understand that, and I respect that. But consider these two examples at the end of the Gospels. To me, these are the Lord's pattern of shepherding. Luke 24 and John 21. In Luke 24, the disciples, you know that day, it's resurrection day. That's, that's Luke 24, resurrection day. The sisters go, he's missing, he's not there. But then, then he appears to them. They run, they tell the brothers, brothers come back. Oh, he, he's not there. Then they go back and they're in the upper room and it's confusing and, and, we know that three of them left. Thomas, because in John 20 it tells us he missed that evening fellowship. When the Lord came and breathed into them, he missed that. And then there were two that, that went to home. They went home to Emmaus. Do you know that story? Yes. Two brothers. One of them, his na- we have his name, Cleopas. And the other one, we don't know his name. And they were... They're walking toward Emmaus. The Lord wanted them to come back to be in the upper room that night because He's going to receive the Holy Spirit. He didn't want them to miss that. But you know what He does? He walks with them in a concealed way. Like, here's the resurrected Christ. And you would think the resurrected Christ would be, you know, shining like on, on, what is it, the Mount of Transfiguration? No. They're walking. And how do you think they're walking? Were they walking fast? You know, when you're sad, you walk slow. And they're walking sad. And then he just kind of is walking in the same direction and joins himself to them. And they're talking. And then what does he do? He asks a question. He says, what are these things that you are talking about? What are these things you are talking about? Did he not know what the things were? Of course he knew what the things were. And then they said, then, they said, actually, I think it says, and they stood still, looking sad. And then one of them, Cleopas, turns to him and says, are you the only one in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have transpired these days? Kind of like, where are you from? (laughs) What does Jesus say? Do you know what he says? Oh, you need to read Luke. You know what he says? He says, what things? (laughs) Can you imagine? I mean, it's Jesus. It's the triune God. And I, and I, I like to say this. There is, you know, 
by definition, God should never have to ask a question. Because he, he knows the answer to every question. So if you were God, would you ask questions? Like from the beginning, Genesis. Adam, where are you? Like, was that like, where are you, Adam? Like he didn't know. Did he know where Adam was? Yes. Why did he ask for Adam? To touch his conscience. Why does he ask here? To gain their hearts. You know, later it says, later it says, we're not, you know, when, when he reveals himself, we're not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the way. Don't we have a, we have a song. Somebody wrote a song. Did not our hearts burn? They're, they're, you know, burn. That means what? He warmed up their, before you burn, it has to be warm, right? He warmed up their hearts. He recovered them. And then, and then he reveals himself to them and disappears. And you know what it says? They ran to Jerusalem. He got them back to the meeting that night. Then he appears. And they're there. I, I don't know if he gave them a, you know, like a, you know, like, made it back. I see her here. Sorry, the Bible doesn't say that. I said, I wonder, I wonder. Maybe a little something for them. That's how he got them to go to the meeting. What would our way be? Our way be would be to intercept them on their way to Emmaus and say, Hey, get back to the meeting. That's not Jesus' way. Jesus' way is to what? Walk the wrong way. With them. So, that's, that's the God-man. That, that is the Lord that he emptied himself, humbled himself, and he became in the likeness of a man. That's, that's Philippians 2. He was really in the likeness of a man. And then, and then they get to a point, they get to a certain point, and, and they get to their, their, their house. And, and you know what it says? It says, and then he acted, read your Bible, 24, 28, Luke 24, 28. It says, he acted as if he would go further. Which means what? Which means he probably said something like, oh, you're going here? Okay. Bye-bye. I, I'm going to go. And they said, no, no, please, stay with, the, stay with us. So, oh, if you can get a young person to say, don't go, you've got their heart. Stay with us. So he went with them. But only after their, it seems like, like, like they said, would you please come? Oh, no, no, I don't want to impose no please okay where did he want to go he wanted to go in the house he wanted to go with them he just played along this is some kind of god man acting to open 
their hearts. But then John 21, something a little different. See, in John 21, you know that story? Seven brothers, Peter takes the lead, they go fishing, they catch nothing. Then what happens? You know, professional fishermen, they're supposed to be nighttime fishing. That, that, that's the right time for them to fish in that area. They catch nothing. And then as day is breaking, he's on the shore. Please notice that here, well, let me say this way. In Luke 24, he goes all the way with them to their house. Here, he doesn't go all the way to meet them. You know, Jesus walked on the water somewhere else, not here. And, and here, you know, the, the land and the water, the land and the water, the land is a picture of the church, and the sea is a picture of the world. So he stayed here. He didn't go all the way. But he reached, he said, you little, little children, little children, you don't have anything to eat, do you? What do you think their reaction there is? You know, you read the, you read it, they say, no. He says, put it on the other side. They say, okay, yeah. Do you think it happened like this? No. no. You have to imagine, what were they thinking in the, in the, in the boat? You don't have anything to eat, do, do you? You don't think that in the boat, they're like, like, who's he? That's right, that's right. I don't know. I mean, if it was me, I'd say, I don't know, but he should mind his business. <laughs> and so put, put the net on the other side. I, I think there was a negotiation on the boat. I say, just do it. Maybe he'll go away. I don't think it was that instantaneous. Anyway, they put it on the other side, and the Lord, I don't know whether he went like this or whatever, commanded the fish to go in, and the fish and the net there, and John says, it's the Lord! (laughs) Peter! Ah! You know, because he was uncovered, right? And he covers himself and throws himself in the water. And he's, and they get there, and what? There's, Breakfast. Come and when is now when they come is the Lord. What am I going to do with you guys? Was he like that? Three and a half years huh, to waste. No. What's the Lord? The Lord is when they come says, "Come and have breakfast." Do you see his heart? This is how he recovers people. No condemnation. But I want to show you this because I talked about Black Panther. Stay on the shore, brother. Stay on the shore. Don't don't dive into the water. You, you You get the picture? Sometimes we go all the way with them. Sometimes from a distance. But you know what? You help them. You know what Brother Lee says in that little booklet? Give them money to go to the movies. But don't go yourself. Now, when I read that, if I had not read it from Brother Lee, I would have said, blasphemy or something like that. (laughs) Brother Lee gives this example. He gives an example. You you run into somebody. Oh, hi, the young person. Where are you going? I'm going to the movies. Oh, 
Oh, I'm going to a meeting. I, I'm not going to go with you, but do you have money for the ticket? Here, let me let me hire a cab. Let, I'll take you there, drop you off. Uh, well, how long is the movie? Oh, two hours? Oh, the meeting's two hours. After the meeting, I'll come over, pick you up, and I'll take you home. What kind of heart is that? That's the heart that does this. That will put in them identity and community. Amen. Shows interest and communication. Amen. And then sanctification. Of course, you know, the Lord said in John 17, for, for their sakes... I sanctify myself. And that's something in all our families, of course. We need to keep our sanctification. We need to keep our sanctification. Be a pattern. Because people remember us more than our words. right? But in the matter of sowing, I take this from Galatians 6. Brother Lee gives such a good word in the life study of Galatians that we are always... Sowing seeds by our speaking. We're sowing tiny seeds. Tiny seeds. And we really need to be careful around our younger children. Around our younger children. I mean, all our children. But I think we have a thought. Oh, when they're younger, they don't even understand, so I can say anything. But you don't realize exactly when they grow up and can perceive things and they know who you're talking about. So if you're at home complaining about the elders, you know, sooner or later they're going to hear this name, Sherman. <laughs> and, and then, and then, that, uh, who's that? Oh, that's, that's Sherman. That's the one mommy doesn't like. <laughs> and that, that, you think this never happened? A seed that maybe was sown by us three years ago just from a statement. Just from a, just from a rolling of the eyes. Just from a pursing of the lips. Some intonation that we didn't realize was infusing our, our children. So saints, I just say this. Don't blame Satan too quickly. Amen. Yes, he's behind that. But it could be Actually, we, we, we contributed. Sure. And, and we need to corporately find a way how to reach all the children's hearts. Amen. That the Lord could preserve them to be the arrows. Amen. That really the enemy would be threatened by our increase. Amen. That through our children gain more children. That the church could be uh, built more. Amen. I better stop. Sorry. I went to... Uh... <laughs> Five minutes if any for any response.